Thank you, everyone, for joining us yet again. Here we are. Um, it's Tuesday. Feels like Thursday and Monday at the same time to me. I don't know why I'm overcome with lethargy and why I'm completely mm-hmm. exhausted, but that is how I feel. If I almost feel like I'm in a fugue state. Yeah. yeah like you're just moving through your life as like a character, but like, you know, you're not really in your own life. There's something strange. I don't know what it is about this week. I just feel exhausted, completely exhausted. Yeah. We both had a pretty packed weekend, so maybe we're just still in recovery mode. Right. We're still in recovery mode. I'm just realizing that I hate flying. And whatever, it's a privilege to fly. I get it. I know. But I just like hate flying. Like I get so plane sick. And Mm -hmm. I flew American this past weekend to Nashville. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, okay, they come through the cabin after it's been an hour of flying. Okay. They didn't even like on other airlines, they get up right, you know, after 20 minutes and they do drink service. Okay. The minute you hit cruising altitude, you know, you're being served. Right. Right. And on American, you know, it took them an hour to start uh, snack service or whatever. And I look forward to plain snacks. I like eating on planes, not someone who's grossed out by it. Maybe that's, you know, says a lot about me, whatever. Um, and I'm usually ravenous by the time I'm on a flight, like if, especially like a morning flight. So anyways, I'm ravenous. And yet again, I was given a measly bag of pretzels and just expected to feel satisfied. And so I know in the past that I've asked for multiple bags of snacks, but I just didn't have it in me to like, you know, lose all my pride and shame before 11 a.m. So mm-hmm. I was just, anyways, I was just hungry and flying hungry, flying in general sucks. So that's all. Truthfully, that's all there's just nothing, about. there's nothing more devastating than getting on a flight and they start the snack service and you realize that there's not like a basket with an array of goodies that you get to choose from. There isn't like a delicious no. crispy potato chip, potentially mm-hmm. a blue chip, right. you know, there's, there's no pop whatever those are called popcorners popcorners no popcorners no it's i'm here are two ginger cookies you better mm-hmm. shut up and like it oh eat it like the peasant that you are that's also, what that's what that feels like another gripe i've got is that you know recently they've been asking me do you want this i don't want to be asked if i want this <laughs> assume that i want it and i'll tell you if i don't like i don't want to feel fat shame like honestly a, yeah when 100%. I say, yes, I would like the pretzels. Like I mm-hmm. – and half the time I feel like my seatmate doesn't get them and then I just like shame spiral for the whole rest of the flight. Right. There's so many reasons why I hate flying, but like I truly hate it. Honestly, the 60-calorie pretzel bag, why doesn't the captain just get out of his seat and come spit on my face? Because that's what that feels like. It It's so shame-inducing. Yeah, I – there's so many problems wrong with our society, but I think, you know, this is something we need to focus on right now. Can Why we cancel uh, plane, uh, plane snacks and plane food shaming? Oh, and this is also – and this has become so common. It's a crime. It's a crime that has become common to the point of we've accepted it, people. And I am ready to tell our culture to okay. give a message. Okay. Um, it is not acceptable that when you order a Diet Coke that they fill up your cup and you do not get the entire can. Oh, I know. I know. So imagine my surprise, Lauren, when I was given the whole can of cranberry juice. I mean, I looked at them like (laughs) the eight ounce can. Yes. I looked at them with the biggest doe eyes of appreciation and gratitude. Like I I was shook. I was shook. And then I also felt like, you know, plane tickets are sky high right now. And this is the Mm -hmm. least they can do is give me a full can of, you know, a cranberry juice cocktail. It wasn't a cocktail, mom. It was literally cranberry juice. <laughs> I was That's about to say, it, really? Okay? An no, 11 a.m. I... vodka cranberry for Chandler Gross. on our way to Tennessee. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> the party starts in 26B, bitches. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I will give you a slight. Okay. Before we get into the episode, let's catch up about our weekends. We have a yes. lot to talk about. A lot happened. We always say a lot happened, but really a lot happened this weekend. And a lot of it's really sad and dark. So before we get into all that, let's just top line our weekends. Lauren, what did you do? Okay. So this weekend, Kagan and I were invited on a boat. And so we went did a boat day out to Culebra. Um, Beautiful. A, a stunning, stunning island. It was honestly such a fun time. Like 
this is what was nice about it. I wasn't hosting anyone. I was on mm-hmm. someone else's party. Right. And right. my only job was to be just a wonderful guest and mm-hmm, to have fun. Mm-hmm. Right. And that felt so nice. I barely knew anyone on the boat. It was like I was like meeting a bunch of people for the first time. Um, and it was just truly delightful. Like I right. swam, I ate delicious food, and it was just amazing. I will tell you, okay. I did have, a, did have a funny moment. Okay. So there was only there's only one other girl on the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and her name was Nina. Okay. Okay. Um, she's kind of new. Her and her husband recently moved to Puerto Rico and are kind of new yeah. to the friend group. Fun. So anyway, it was my first time meeting her. Yeah, she's really cute, really fun. But anyway, so it was just the two of us girls on the boat. And there was so we got on and there on this boat there was like a stewardess. Okay. And her her name was Princess. Okay. Um yep. This was like kind of surprising. I definitely asked her twice. I was like, "Princess? Princess is your name?" And she's like, "Yeah, Princess." Okay, whatever. I'll call you whatever. I'll call you princess. No problem. Um, so there's me, Nina and princess, the, the chief stew or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so we're on the boat and my friend who's like, yeah, like one of our friends in this crew, he like kind of, um, nods behind me. I don't okay. know, see where he's nodding to. He just kind of gestures and he goes, what's her name? And I think he's referring to the chief stew princess because there's only one other. Okay. There's only like two other girls on the boat. And right. I think he's talking about the stewardess. So I think he's about to ask for something. Yeah. And so um, I go princess and he like looks at me quizzically. I'm like, I know it's kind of weird, but her name's princess. <laughs> so then he's like, okay. So he very confidently across the bro- the boat goes princess do you want something or he like he asked for something i forget what he even asked for it, but he goes princess can i do something do you want some sunblock or something or can i get some sunblock whatever and um and like there's no no response so then he says even more confidently princess <laughs> I turn and the girl has turned around in horror and is like, my name is Nina. It's not princess. She's like, like, what man is referring to me as princess right now? It was, and the funny part about Nina is she does have like weight, like blonde hair down to her waist. She kind of does yeah. look like a princess. Oh it my was gosh. just hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. I was dying. It's like, no, that's the name of the, I was, I was like cracking up. So the whole rest of the day I kept calling her princess and that's going to be her nickname forever. And my friend that's was amazing. so mortified. It was so good. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just like princess like at, a, at a New Jersey gas station. Hey, princess. Hey, princess. You want some sunblock, princess? <laughs> I, we, I, we were joking. I was like, I was like, he calls every woman princess. That right. or doll face. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just like the way he is. Just locker room talk. Exactly. He's lighten up. Lighten up, exactly. princess. <laughs> exactly. Don't you, want a, don't you want a man to treat you like a princess? Right, right. Wow. Okay. I know. I um. I actually used to date somebody who used like I think princess, but then like another language. I can't even remember how to say it, so I'm just not going to bother you know everyone by saying it. But it in the moment I thought it was sweet, which maybe shows how toxic I was as a kid. But and I wasn't a kid. Okay, this is sounding way weird. Um, (laughs) when I was when I was a teen, yeah, that story just took a dark turn. (laughs) I know. Okay, we're just moving right along. <laughs> Anyways, I went to Nashville She's like, this and weekend. And then there was an Amber Alert, and they got me back. No, it's crazy. My phone started going off. Um, I was like, "Is this your license plate? Pull over!" <laughs> wow, we're really doing it all. Um, Lauren, did you see that I was in Nashville this weekend? I did see. I did see that you're in Nashville. You know, can I talk to you about something really quick? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You went to Nashville with three of our friends. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there wasn't even like a courtesy invite. Not even a courtesy. Like, oh, if you're free, tag along. Right. You know, you don't care about the person's music who we went to go see. 
Casey Musgraves. So, no, we didn't go see Casey Musgraves. We went to see Casey Musgraves' ex-husband. Very important distinction. Whatever. I love a trip to the country. I Okay. I, I love the American South. No. I'm not bringing anyone on a concert trip unless they're completely, you know, evangelicized. Evan- unless they're evangelists. Unless they're complete evangelists, you know, okay. for this artist. And the best part That's is such like. such BS, but I, continue. We tell everybody in the town, oh, we're going to see Rustin Kelly. Who? Oh, <laughs> Casey Musgrave's ex-husband. Oh, oh. It's actually like very fascinating because uh, like there was a bunch of like pre-concert or there was like a slideshow up on the stage, like before the concert. Um, yeah. Like, you know, country musicians playing at the Ryman. And Casey's like face like came up like, you know, every few minutes. And I was like, damn, that'd be really hard. But also not at all. And he's an idiot, but his music is good. Um, yeah, I <sighs> he's a folk uh, singer. He's like he's Noah Gunderson adjacent. Maybe if you gave him a whirl, I would consider inviting you on the next trip, but I just want to be invited on fun vacations. That's all. It doesn't matter what you're going to do. It doesn't even matter the group. I just was just like a standing invitation. Okay. Can can I complain about can I go back to plane complaining for one moment? Please. Are you seeing how high plane tickets are these days? No, I you you're saying this, I don't know. Like I don't know if before the pandemic I was no, I was broke and so I would have would have known how expensive it was to fly, but it is so expensive to fly now. Really? Like, like how much? No flight feels like a a deal anymore. I guess. Okay. Like what what are you talking like how much like, was your flight to Tennessee? Like my flight to Tennessee was was like was like 220 that was it wasn't that bad like round trip <laughs> maybe i can't place. believe i wasn't trans transported think, from new york to tennessee well, okay. 700 miles whatever it was <laughs> and for 30 dollars and all the snacks i want no exactly i think maybe it's just that i moved to new york and i'm realizing how expensive it is to get back across the country and i'm used right. to like you know here's Where'd a cool you move? 100 New York City. Um, I used to live in LA. <laughs> then before that, I was in San Francisco. And now I'm in New York City. But like, it's just like looking at tickets home for Christmas. I don't know if I'm coming home for Christmas, everybody. I might just be, you know, eating my orange at home, um, my Christmas orange in my studio apartment because it is n- not cheap. How much? How much? What's not cheap? Like, like $600. Spit out some numbers. Like, like five to $600 yeah. for it. Okay. Let me just help you here. I'm going to help you out. I like right. how I accost you into saying the numbers right. and then I interrupt right. you with, with my right. own speech. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not flights are expensive. It's flying around the holidays is super expensive. I know. I just like every year it gets me. Every year I'm Which just is like, why what? It's really worth I, it to see family this much? I don't know. Okay. Imagine living in Puerto Rico where everywhere is right. a minimum 10-hour journey. Well, okay. And this like 10 hours, it's 10 it's hours. Just, sorry. Uh, Nashville is not that far from Puerto Rico. <laughs> I would have made it work. And yeah, I'm very passionate about airline deals. I will say, um, well, can you I find got me my, a deal? Yeah, I probably can. I probably Please. can find you a deal. Right. Find me a I'm deal. I'm very good at it. Um, I got my flight home for, I got my flight to Hawaii like much in advance mm-hmm. and it is now uh let's just say like five five x in price yeah yeah (laughs) sorry one more little aside um this morning i called delta because i'm trying to figure out like my hawaii you know flight and i've now figured it out but you know i decided to call delta to see what they could help me with and i kid you not lauren i called delta at 8 40 this morning someone Mm -hmm. picked up immediately what it was it was so jarring. I honestly I didn't even complete the phone call or like follow through with my transaction because I thought I was being scammed. Like I that is I, so funny. Isn't that so like and I was this close to asking the guy like, "Hey, can you like confirm that you're actually a Delta representative?" Oh my god. Because gosh. like the fact that you picked up the phone after literally like I was probably you're like, "I know was, I called you, but I right. need you to but confirm." Prove to me that you're the real call. deal. Okay, buddy. Okay. Like also when he when he picked up the phone, I like was in the middle of like chaotic traffic and I'm like, "I'm so sorry. I didn't expect you to pick up this soon." So, <laughs> sorry it's really loud. I was expecting to hold for two hours. I like I specifically called at eight a.m. so that at ten a.m. I could speak with a representative. Facetime me immediately, or else I'm gonna call the police and say I have Jen Shaw on the line. <laughs> okay, let's get in. Let's get into it, shall oh my we? Gosh, let's okay. begin our episode. I think we've complained enough. 
Um, I think let's just start with quite possibly, you know, something that has rocked my world forever. And I can't even, you know, I didn't even go. I wasn't even there. But I haven't been horrified by something like this in a very long time. Mm. We're, we're talking about um, Astroworld for this yes. past weekend. Something out of a truly dystopian nightmare. I yeah. mean, I was completely taken aback when I read the news. And then when I actually read that, when I read the descriptions of what people experienced there mm-hmm. and I've been trying to kind of make sense of it because I knew we were going to talk about it on this pod. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I'm here with a ready conclusion for everyone, but I'm ready to talk through it with you. Yeah. I think like the entire world is still processing this mm-hmm. and understanding like the situation. I, I don't know that anything like this has ever happened before. Like this type of mass casualty, like where it wasn't like it's, it's so dark to even like, you know, theorize or whatever, but like, um, I, you know, you're not, people usually don't, there's usually not a deaths at festivals like right, that aren't exactly. due to like drug use or to a shooter or, you know, some other terrible thing. Like this was just a truly horrific and to some degree completely preventable. Yeah. Being surrounded by so many people is the reason why I have never wanted to go to a festival. I get that they're really fun. Yeah. People love them, but being surrounded by so many human beings, it just seems like a recipe for some sort of chaos, some yeah. chaos that you can't get out of. And so mm-hmm. it was almost like hearing like my worst fear come to yeah. fruition. Um, but yeah. anyway, let's walk, let's walk our listeners through exactly yeah. what happened. Okay. And I just want to say like, obviously mass shootings and drug use is preventable, but, and some preventable was probably the wrong word to use, but I do think that this was like an, um, this was not like common things that you see happen. What happened here was not common at all or at all. To Wait, why would preventable have been a wrong word to use? Well, I just think that like, you know, obviously a, if a shooter arrives and shoots a bunch but of people, But there wasn't a shooter. No, I, I was just saying like what's, what was different about this was that this felt like completely preventable in the sense of like, you know, there was a, a just the right safety precautions could have been taken and this could have been avoided versus yeah, like that's somebody what's showing interesting. up, you know, and, and, I, like, I think, and wreaking havoc. I, yeah, that is what's interesting about the event is it's something that given the same conditions could just absolutely happen again very easily. Like it's not right. some, it's not, you're right. It's not something where like there was one bad actor, like sure mm-hmm. there's culpability, yeah. there's blame to be cast. There's accountability that needs to happen. But it's, that is where I feel like I'm coming from a place of, you know, still trying to make sense of everything because there isn't one clear villain. Right, it was almost right. like a lot of bad it was actors. Like perfect storm. The perfect storm of, like, bad actors, but not necessarily one person entirely responsible. Right, right. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? (laughs) You know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful, and so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home, and it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by FrameBridge right now. Yes, I am so excited to correct this wrong in my life. What's so great about FrameBridge is for other people also intimidated by a gallery wall, if you go on their website, you can just very quickly, easily upload like five photos or whatever it is, and they will send you different dimensioned, cute frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a layperson like yourself. Everyone, see why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early Bird CBD Gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect 2.5 milligrams of THC and 12.5 milligrams of CBD. So this concoction, it gives you the warmest, gooeyest feeling. They have the magic formula. I love the watermelon flavor. That's my favorite. I also love using them when I know I need to get a good night's sleep and I can sleep in. You guys, we love Early Bird CBD so much. We reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring the show because we were like, these products, these gummies, 
everyone needs to know about them. We're going to tell them about, about them anyway. So maybe we can get paid to do it. And honestly, we just cannot recommend them enough. We have a link in our show notes. You can go to earlybirdcbd.com. Use code POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Earlybirdcbd.com. POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Do yourself a favor. Try the gummies. They ship to all 50 states, everybody. You got to try it. Earlybirdcbd.com. So, okay. Um... I will start the timeline with okay, walk Friday, us it. last Friday. So at 3.30 a.m., fans begin lining up. And this is pretty common, you know, especially for a festival where it's just first come, you know, like first come, you get the best seat. Um, you know, like if you're the first person to the front, you stay there. Um, so basically fans begin lining up at 3.30 a.m. on Friday, the morning of Friday. Mm-hmm. Um So a concert worker told people, told the New York Times that an estimated um, thousand people were already waiting in line for the gates to open by 3.30 and just started arriving like fully in the middle of the night. Uh, And then the gates opened at 10. And um, what I was told, and I I can't confirm this, but I was told that also that there was an announcement made that they were going to open the gates even earlier which I'm sure contributed to a lot of people showing up way earlier than like, you know, the festival started and just like a huge, a huge crowd already forming essentially a day before any music happens. Mm -hmm. So, um, the chaos started Friday afternoon as the festival got underway Friday, you know, 2 PM. Okay. And dozens of people had already pushed through the gates and, and many were already trampled and knocked down and just, you know, rushing barricades and just completely like taking down all of the, like the safety measures that were in place. And I think what's interesting here is that it doesn't really seem like they were immediately like made right or fixed. Mm -hmm. We also have reports that on some, at some point on Friday, the police chief, Troy Finner, uh, he says that he met with Travis Scott and expressed his concerns about public safety at the event. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm a little bit skeptical of this. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I'm wondering, you know, is was this just like a normal, like, hey, it's, you know, the concert's about to start. Here's the police chief. Just, you know, like, I don't know if that's just a yeah. practicality or like, you know, just something that happens with big festivals where they're met, they meet right. with the, you know. I, I, to me, it seems like a convenient fact, but maybe that's just me being like ultra skeptical. Okay. Yeah. Continue. And he said, he says that he asked, you know, Travis and his team to work with um, the Houston police sh- department to prevent problems at the festival right like i guess to me i'm, I'm expecting to hear that he said hey there seems to be not enough me- medical personnel or security personnel here like i want a more right. specific concern to be you know to feel like this was like action was being taken by him true action at least versus him just saying like hey you know this i don't know maybe i'm reading too much into it but i also so that's as far as my timeline goes on actual friday before the show okay. starts but I want to yeah. just rewind actually a few more years to set the stage for some more, no pun intended, some more context as mm-hmm. to why like Astral World and the ca- and the tragedy that occurred there was a- was an eventuality, like sadly. Um, so actually, at the inaugural edition of Astral World, three people were injured in a stampede um, in 2019, and which to me seems like unfortunate but like common festival behavior so like right that that's just like a small piece of context but then i think the most egregious thing and what Mm -hmm. what i'm gonna not gonna lie when when i first started seeing all the stories about it i was like oh my gosh this looks like a terrible festival gone wrong like a festival tragedy Mm -hmm. and what changed my mind and made me realize like oh this actually might be a travis travis scott problem more than just like you know a, a a, you know, a festival thing or just like big event um, occurrence was that Travis Scott was actually arrested and charged with disorderly conduct um, in relation to his behavior at Lollapalooza in 2015. So six years ago, he, during his show, encouraged fans to climb over security barricades, ignore security workers and rush the stage at, con- at the concert. Um, right. And thank God you know, nobody then was injured, but like he has a pattern of totally disregarding and undermining security and and people there to help the concert go off smoothly um i think and then that yeah go ahead well i think that is in i think that is actually like the biggest problem and it should be a thing and maybe this is and you know you know maybe this is the normal 
you know, Billie Eilish, all these performers, they get a talking to from from live people representatives from Live Nation, from you know, whatever. There's some sort of training where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, crowds of people are actually on some level weapons of mass destruction. Like when you're commanding a crowd, when you're talking to a crowd, like serious damage can get done. Right. If there's any encouragement of, you know, wild behavior, of violence, right. of any of this. Um, you know, it's funny, it's like Donald Trump literally got taken off Twitter for inciting violence. I mean, isn't that exactly what right. Travis Scott was doing? He literally yeah. was inciting violence. He said, I want to make the mother effing ground shake, encourages this kind of chaos. And I, I feel like on some level, there should be like extreme training where these performers know that you actually cannot encourage that kind of behavior. Right. Or well, and- you will like have serious repercussions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think that one other factor in this is the way that Astroworld is marketed. I don't know if you saw any of those stories of like videos promoting it or anything. No, I mean, I didn't even know what it was until um, I heard about this tragedy. I, I hadn't seen these before. I don't, a side note, I don't, I've never really cared for Travis Scott's music. Um, and I, so I hadn't seen any of these promotional videos promoting Astroworld, but basically like the footage is like, you know, it's this very, uh, you know, UGC-esque or, you know, just like, uh, very ha- like handheld camera, like um, user videos, basically of people just rushing stages and ru- oh, crowds really? running. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and it's like set to like cool music, and it it just feels very like chaotic, fun festival. Like, you know, you don't look gotcha. at that and think, oh, that's so scary, but it right. is literally like people running and and crowds climbing over barricades and hopping over fences, and it's like this this very rushing you know, I don't know. It's just like, a lot just, of rushing just chaos. And, and chaos and chaos. Like teens, ca- teens and crowds of teens and chaos is how you could describe yeah. it. Which okay. like in a skate video brand. looks kind of cool. Yeah. You know, right. it's just like, but then you, you realize like, oh, this is like what the festival was supposed to look like to some degree. Right. Right. Oh, interesting. Uh, so anyways, um, let's go back to the, the day itself. Okay. So the day itself, he took the stage at 9 p.m. And apparently, so what really started to, what, what started the danger mm-hmm. was, um, people starting to rush the stage in the first 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, and this makes sense. Like if you're at the front of a crowd and you would just have a mass of people pushing, like pushing you, pushing the people in front of you. Now I can understand what this idea of being crushed is because all these people are trying to get into one, go in one direction, push towards one direction to the front of the stage. And there's literally just only so much space. Right. Um, so at nine 12, that's when the first there's the first footage showing people screaming for help saying, help, please help. And Scott is still performing. Yeah. Um, 21 minutes into the set, he pauses and hunches over and the crowd is shouting help that they're that shouting for a medic. And he responds by saying, everyone put your middle finger in the sky if you're ready to rage or because you're ready to rage. Yeah. And he starts his next song. Mm-hmm. Um, I also I, just I want to say one thing because yeah. I think Travis Scott is to blame for this. I want to make yeah. that abundantly clear. I think though it it is a lot to expect a performer to also be a crowd watcher and to know exactly what's going on in the crowd. And right, right. Especially honestly and especially with a venue of 50,000 people. Like it's a lot to expect with the noise and the sounds like it is more to me on the lack of security than it is on Travis Scott for not seeing what was happening. And um you know, and, and like cr- the crowd is constantly trying to get his attention. Like, I, I just think that's a sensory overload experience as a performer. And it's maybe it is on them to be more aware. I don't know. But I just think that you can't place all the blame for that that experience on him for not noticing because I, you can't even say that he, c- he could hear people screaming help. I don't know. Maybe he could. I'm not sure. Right. And that's the thing. No one can really say wh- what he knew and when he knew it. Right. And... I think that maybe maybe it's just being naive, but I highly, highly doubt he actually heard people screaming for help 
and he saw what was happening and he continued the show. I just don't. Yeah. I just, it's very hard for me to believe well, a human being would do that. I also feel, feel like I've read reports where there was a point that he did point security to a, a situation. He did. He did. Yeah. So at one point during the show, he stopped performing because he saw someone pass out and he like pointed and said, like, go, like, go help. Like he called for security. So that to me would say like, okay, well, this is obviously not a person who doesn't care. Right. Right. This isn't a sociopath. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, it was one of the, the most jarring thing to read about, I think was like the firsthand accounts of being, of being in the crowd because they talk about like basically not being, I don't know how you couldn't be able to breathe outside, but they felt like right. they couldn't breathe yeah. in the mass of people. They were being crushed and you would literally like, it was so I packed think it, tight that if you, your arms were in the air, you couldn't bring them down. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been in some packed crowds before. You have? Okay. Yeah. So I've been in like, I can't, I was trying to rack my brain for what crowd this was. Um, but I've been in some like pretty intense, not even like, I don't really, I don't mosh like that was, and this was a long time ago. Um, but in the most packed crowds that I've been in, it's, it is like, you cannot move. I can't, you can't really move your arms. Like, like not that I couldn't have brought them down, but like I couldn't, I did not have full range of motion at all. Really? And I, I, it's a common thing to comment. Like I'm, I can't move. And whoever is moving, doing the moving, it's not me. Like I'm not moving myself right now. Like the crowd is moving me. Oh, seriously? Mm -hmm. Like you felt your body be moved by a crowd? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's actually, that's very common to feel. And like, I haven't even been in some of the most intense crowds. Like I have friends who have been in way more intense mosh pits or crowds where it's just like, you are yeah yeah absolutely so you really are like at the mercy of the people of of this sea of people oh like, yeah you cannot yeah. you can't yeah so now, that, and yeah well that was like what i was so hard for me to really wrap my mind around because i'd never been in a crowd like that mm-hmm. like I, I i think i don't go somewhere unless i have a seat i'm just yeah i've always been geriatric I mean, in that way um yeah. so to me so so that's another thing like when i hear about like crowds rushing like I've experienced that to some degree. So I wasn't even really fully, fully realizing the gravity of what was happening until I saw, and I, w- I don't want to talk about this for a very long time because to me, it's actually so graphic. It like hurts my soul and heart, but seeing people crushed on the ground. Was yeah. Like seeing I, the pictures, seeing the pictures and video of people. Like I, I, I was watching stories on Saturday morning and I clicked into one that featured that. And I like, I had to immediately click out because I, I immediately knew what was happening and it was too yeah. graphic for me to watch because it was just like, and also just the worst possible way to feel and, you know, and uh, for some people to die. Well, and the a hundred percent, I watched uh, an account of a guy who saw someone. I can't even like. He pulled someone out, gave them CPR. He luckily was able to pull one other person out, but he said that person was like gone at that point. And then he had, he, he started like basically realized he needed to get out of there or else he, he was like fearing for his own safety. So he had to, to leave. And just the trauma of the people, the countless people who were fighting to survive, who were literally stepping on other human beings as they fought for their own lives, like because they're fighting for their own lives. Like, not out of their right. own choice. Like, like that one person talked about how like you would get sucked into the, into the bottom of the crowd. Like you would get mm-hmm. sucked downward mm-hmm. as it like mm-hmm. swallowed you. I don't know. It's right, just, right. It's, it's so incredibly traumatizing for everyone, including the people who survived. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Like a nine-year-old is dead apparently. I, uh, I, I, uh, last I'd seen was, was that the nine-year-old was in critical condition, but I did oh, not maybe realize. maybe critical condition. No. So maybe that, ha- he, <sighs> yeah. It's, it's horrific. It's totally horrific. And I think what's interesting is like, you know, Travis Scott, I think there, you know, there can be a lot of debate about what he knew when he knew it. Um, but I also think that he has a history of inciting these crowds. Also, it's undeniable that there was a show he did where he was uh, crowd surfing and someone pulled off his shoe. He literally mm-hmm. gets back on the stage and he encourages 
the crowd right. to f him up, f him mm-hmm. up, f him mm-hmm. up. He repeats like her, like literally encourages a crowd to beat someone, right. and then has the person taken away. Like this is a person who obviously is comfortable um, with. This isn't. This is not. This is no angel. Let's be no. real about that. No, this is yeah. This yeah. I I also want to say that. Uh, if you follow House Habitat or whatever, um, House Inhabit, I saw House Inhabit. I always have such a hard time with that. She posted some videos of other performers seeing things happening in crowds and doing something about it. Right. Like that video of Post Malone who saw a girl pass out and immediately gets off stage, calls to security. Like, I just want to also acknowledge that I think that was a much smaller venue. Like, there's there's a lot of other factors there, but like, you know, Kurt Cobain saw a woman being sexually assaulted. He stops his show, yells at the the person, you know, and like, I, I think there are just types of performers that clearly care. And I don't think Travis Scott is someone who gives a single, you know, SHIT. Right. Well, I mean, what about the camera operator who was clearly being told, stop the show that people are dying People are dead. Yeah. Stop the show I mean, by that girl who got up on stage and he didn't do it. He yeah. didn't do I, anything. He kept doing I, his job. I think I just also think that the camera operator is like a cog. And I think that crowds are insane. And it's hard to be like it's I don't think it's their I don't think it's their fault. I I think I, that they should agree. I don't think I think in that moment you can not be a cog. You can decide that you're not gonna operate the camera anymore. Like if you see this kind of chaos, if you hear people screaming for help, someone's gets on two people get up and are trying to alert you that people are dying, like I think that that's the point when you stop caring I think about the Apple Music streaming deal. Well, I'm just I mean I, I, I'll, when I say a cog, I mean literally somebody who's just like all they do every day is just like deal with crowds. And I think you become desensitized. Yeah, maybe. And that's, I just, I don't think, valid. I don't think that this person, like literally crowds are crazy. They s- scream crazy stuff. Like you're, you're talking about literally 50,000, you know, or p- kids. Right. And like, I, I just, I mean, someone getting up on stage is, I do think that that takes it up a level. It's not just like someone screaming at you. Right. And you would hope that they had a radio or some way to signal, hey, we need medical personnel. I also want to say that we don't know that that cameraman didn't try to do something, you know, to the best of his, of his or her ability. And like, it's from what it sounds like, medical personnel was overwhelmed from the get go. Right. And maybe they did radio like, hey, they're, you know, we need help in F-14 or wherever they were. Um, I, so I don't know. I To me, that it's like less blame on that person. And I think For that sure. like, Yeah. I think ultimately whenever there's a tragedy, people just want someone to blame and something to blame. And they want to create just as we have done, like, oh, this is how you can prevent it because you want to prevent in your mind the idea that this could Mm -hmm. ever happen to you. Right. I just want to say really quick, there's a lot of stuff being said about, you know, people are not speaking up. Where, why are they so quiet about the Kardashians, which I have my thoughts on, trust me. Um, I also think that like... I would like to see statements from every single golden voice who owns Coachella, like every single big festival company needs to be talking about the fact that they're going to make, um, you know, adjustments and, and take action to prevent this from happening. I think the entire music industry or live music industry is to blame for this and needs to, you know, be acknowledging that this is, I mean, it just, happened to have I don't think that just happened to happen at Travis's concert I think there was like a lot of context there about why it did but I think that the you know live music industry needs to you know take some responsibility yeah absolutely I agree and I just think when it comes to the Kardashians it's so interesting that everyone is so angry at them um and they seem to be like culpable here I I or people want them to be culpable I just I personally think that the posts that they did were tone deaf after like continuing with Chris Jenner birthday content, continuing promoting stupid poosh articles. Right. A hundred percent. I think that's horrible. I also think that, you know, when Kylie posted that story, we can't know for sure that she didn't think the ambulance was just going was had picked up one person who'd passed out. We don't know what she knew in that moment. And like, what do you think about that? What do you think about all the b- people yeah. so angry at them? I think – I just want to say that I think, like, you and I both, like, like the Kardashians. Yeah. And I think that people are eager to 
literally like vilify them at any second. And I'm so I'm just like being cautious of that, like mob mentality that's literally happening, you know, on social media, just another mob mentality thing. Um, so I think that, I think it is weird that she posted a story with an ambulance in it. It's kind of like, maybe choose a different story to post or like that to me, I don't know. Like there should be a little bit more filtering that goes on before you just post something. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that like (laughs) the fact that here's what I think it means. The fact that Kris Jenner felt like or whoever was posting the, you know, the Kris Jenner birthday roses and all the other effing flowers that that family gets, like the fact that they didn't realize the gravity of the situation, yet every other person, myself included, as like a a cog, you know, in pop culture, knew Saturday morning that things were bad. The fact that they had not realized it, I think, shows like that they were seriously out of touch slash not caring. Didn't yeah. even, I don't think it mattered to them at all that like multiple people had died. And I also just think that these are not people, this is a family that like, you know, really promotes their in-laws and Travis Scott might, it might as well be Kylie's husband, you know? Right. And I right. do, I don't think that they even have a, a healthy amount of distance from Travis Scott. Like, and to me, it just shows that like, I mean, we, I was horrified Friday night and even Saturday morning right. just sitting and it was all over Instagram. It's not like I was just you know, waiting for whatever was dropped. Like it was everywhere. It was, it was everywhere and they still did not care. And that to me is just like, to some degree unforgivable. And you know, I like them, but like, I'm kind of like, I don't know how I feel. I feel a little bit sick. I think for me, the idea that they just, that Kim put out that post and then everyone else just reposted it. Like they just, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, like that's enough. Like why doesn't everyone else? I mean, I think Kendall put up something, um, but I think it's not enough that people are just reposting the, you know, five trite sentences that right, Kim posted. Right. There needs to be yeah. like, we are going to work with every single fam- mm-hmm. family. Like we are going to cover any costs associated. Like we are going to pay for the funerals. Like we are mm-hmm. doing everything we can. This is a horrible tragedy. Like people need to feel their pain and their the fact that they are empathetic. Right. And, you know, it was just to me, it was traumatizing for too many people and that was traumatizing for 50,000 people. And that's just like a huge deal. It's yeah. not like there was just like something went awry at a random little concert. Like for sure. 50,000 people have like literally will probably never be the same again because of what they experienced. Right. And, and we knew that, 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 that it was a serious situation. Like, I think we even knew that eight people had died like the next day. Right. It's oh, not like for we just sure. knew that people yeah. were injured. And so it's just, I just, yeah, it, they just did not, I, there's no plausible de- deniability in my head about like their behavior the next day and how like toned right. it was. Right. So For that's sure. all. Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, mm. I got excited thinking about coming home to like my more simple routine food, like my mm. clean, simple eats protein powder. Yeah, I feel like it's such a good staple because the protein powder, if you blend it with ice and water, you got vanilla frosty, essentially, if you like the Simply Vanilla. If you get chocolate brownie powder, you've got a chocolate frosty. You could do the mint chocolate chip, you got a thin mint frosty, or you just dissolve it in milk or water, and that also strangely tastes really good like chocolate milk it's a super fast easy quick snack also i just love that the ingredients are clean they're grass-fed it's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories it is just the best protein powder out there everyone go to cleansymboleats.com and use the promo code pop apologists for 10 percent off that's pop apologists for 10 percent off cleansymboleats.com pop apologists for 10 percent off Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I want to actually discuss oh, something yeah. with you because I feel like okay. So we just were talking about you know Travis and Kylie and the Kardashians and culpability and blame and accountability, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that what's interesting about it is I just feel like there is such a propensity to want to vilify people and make people, especially people who we see as successful and happy, as the actual villains. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like when, like, I feel like, like Erica Jane, for example, yes, she did a lot of very tone deaf posts. She has not acted well. Very poor PR. Right. But the way people just have, just want to see her as the the villain here when there's nothing actually telling us she had any clue of what was going on. Mm -hmm. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think it's also, I agree. I think it's human nature with celebrities. Right. It's like not saying it's right. But I think it's also just human nature. I think since the beginning of time. It's schadenfreude. This is the way like people want. Yeah. Like people just want to see when something tragic happens, people want to see justice. Right. And people also. Or something that they like. Well, I was going to say, I think people also enjoy seeing the fall. Like people like seeing people and their demise. Like they like seeing the. Yeah. The tumbling from. Well from any sort of height. Agreed. Agreed. And I think there's just in, in terms of this particular situation, there are a lot of people who hate the Kardashians and who think that they are awful, awful people. Right. Um, you and I are, you know, are not in that camp, right. but I do feel like this experience has made me feel like less great about liking mm-hmm. them, but people literally want to see them like burn for this. And I don't think it's I don't think it's their fault. Yeah. It's Travis Scott's fault. 100%. It's not their fault. Like so, so it's hard to be like why are you you know, it's just it's they need to not be tone deaf and I think they were tone deaf, but it's not their fault right, also. Right. Do you want to talk Jen Shaw at all? Do you want to talk Beverly Hills reunion? Let's talk about Beverly Hills reunion because it sounds to me like you've had a little bit of a shift with Erica. Yeah. You know, I think that I was convinced. I was convinced after this last reunion that she did not know anything about what was going on. Um, I do believe that when she said that she wouldn't be on a reality show, she wouldn't be writing songs like It's Expensive to Be Me or performing those songs. I was Mm -hmm. convinced of that. Like it seemed probable. That hit home for me. That hit home for you? That that absolutely hit home for yeah. me. I felt like she, you know, said something that really, like, unlocked, like, some logic to who, to what had happened or what she claims have ha- has happened. Which was what? That exact oh, that statement. Yeah. When she said that, I literally was like, I was like, oh. I was like, that's a very good point. Right. Why would she? She's under a microscope. Which is why. It's crazy to me. That Jen Shaw was ever on a reality <laughs> TV show, knowing that she was fully in on, you know, a scheme. Which I guess goes to show maybe that invalidates what she said. And who knows, you know? Um, who really mm-hmm, knows? Mm-hmm. There's something, though, about... Yeah. There's something very different about Jen Shaw than there is about Erica Jane. Like, the difference there is Erica Jane is the spouse of an, a, fa- a very famously wealthy person, they have the $13 million home in Beverly Hills. They have all that stuff. Mm-hmm. They're in that echelon of society. Yeah. There's no real proving anything. Right. Whereas Jen Shaw's the one who's renting these like extremely opulent homes and trying to shove her wealth down everyone's throat, wants everyone to know exactly what she has. Uh, There's more mo- of a motivation for Jen to really disp- – you know, if she's driven by this very ego place – there's more of a motivation for her to be on the reality show and kind of hope that no one ever figures out what's going on with her business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've been rewatching season one because Ben has started watching it and just looking at once again, the large Versace necklaces that she's wearing. It's the most garish style and it's just like insane to me that she was flaunting it like that. I mean, and still continues to in this most recent season. Yeah. And <laughs> of the same cut from the same cloth is Mary, is Mary Cosby, who's who generally wears mm-hmm. there's not a square inch on that body that's not covered with some sort of, you know, luxury insignia. 
and right. what you know, whatever it is, there is so much designer constantly on that woman. And the idea that she's like a leader, a religious leader, that people think she's like next to Jesus mm-hmm. is yeah, batshit cr- is is right. crazy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Did you see have you watched the most recent episode? Yes. Did she go off on Whitney? In yes. It? Did you watch it? I have not I have not watched it, but I saw a quote oh, okay. with all the things that she's texted Whitney. Yeah. And I was just like aghast. I know. So like, so what? horrible. This is like a so horrible. I, I guess I thought Mary was just kind of like absurd and harmless. No. Not but at like all. actually she's like an evil, evil person. And the fact like you're saying, the fact that people think that she is like, you know, a representative of deity. Huh? <laughs> well, and that's what's so hilarious is I personally think that, yes, like I'm not a Lisa Barlow fan. I think that, you know, what she pulled with Angie was not cool at all. But I think that it's hilarious to me that Lisa Barlow is is really shaping up to be the villain of the season or probably will be when mm-hmm. Mary is the one, I think, that has the most – proverbial blood on her hands like prop or i guess other than jen right right um has i think i guess my point is i think people are afraid of mary to come after her too afraid of her to come after her yeah yeah except for jenny right 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 oh my gosh yeah Woo! it's a Um, really good it's a really good episode um apparently andy said that the next episode of real housewives of salt lake city is the best episode of real housewives ever to be created you're kidding The best episode of Housewives he's ever seen. Okay. The episode after she's arrested. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. I cannot wait. Yeah, you have to watch Um, it. I just want to say – okay. No, I'm going to catch up. Um, Do you want to talk at all about VPR? Yeah, let's talk about Vanderpump Rules. So, you guys, we do have a Vanderpump Rules, you know, all about Vanderpump Rules Patreon special episode that came out this or last week it's like a full like hour and a half almost so if you want a full breakdown of all of our thoughts head up the patreon link is in the show notes continue chandler mm-hmm. okay well i'm caught up i watched it on the plane mm-hmm. and i have to say one one thing that really stuck out to me okay james's speech to raquel <gasps> about how her plastic surgery is going to affect him i know I was surprised I that was not that, like more of a thing, but continue. Right. Thank you. So this whole season, I've been like, wow, look at James. He's really sweet to Raquel. He clearly loves her. You know, I've been kind of like warming up to him. Um, after seeing that, I am so anti-James. I know. And if I were Raquel's family, I would be, you know, texting her in all caps all day, every day saying, pull the plug. This is a monster. Like, the idea that he's comfortable saying that on camera, like, he, so basically, let me just send the scene for people who haven't seen it. They are, um, they, they finish a boxing class, which by the way, Lauren, did you know that I've trained with that guy who was their boxing coach? No, no way. That's so funny. Yeah. He, uh, he used to like work at a gym in Westwood and like would go with my friend Kelly. Um, and he was one of like the trainers. It was great. Anyways. They finish like an, a boxing class for James's anger. Then they sit down and she's talking about how Lisa Vanderpump has offered to, you know, take her to see her, her plastic surgeon because Raquel had a nose job and it didn't turn out right. Um, you know, it's a little bit like uh, crooked and a, which is like to me, very brave of her to go on the next season of VPR with like a nose job that she is not happy with. Right. Like, wow. I personally think um, it still looks great. St- Yo, it still it still looks great. I wouldn't have even noticed. I just think that that would bring me a lot of like internal totally. insecurity. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have even noticed. She also says that James bumped her nose, which I've had a nose job. My little cousin like headbutted me when I was holding her like a couple months after. It was the most intense pain I've felt in my mm. whole life. It felt like literally my skull was cracked open. Mm. I felt I like saw I went black basically. Yeah. Anyways. Back to the matter at hand. They're sitting outside. She's talking about how she was going to go see Lisa Vanderpump surgeon. And James says, you know, just so you know, Raquel, this is really going to affect me if this goes wrong. <laughs> Personal or physical attraction is really big to me. It's uh, the uh, most douchebaggy comment you could possibly make as a boyfriend. A- absolutely. It's the worst thing you could say to someone, which is just like, hey, by the way, if you don't keep keep it up, if you don't look as good as you do now, I'm probably not going to be into you. Which is hilarious because I think Raquel is basically 
like a 10 out of 10 person. Super sweet. Right. Very kind. Seems like a really good human being. Mm -hmm. Is also just completely stunning. Mm -hmm. James to me is like a three. Uh, maybe the idea he's like a three and then on a good day he's like a five looks wise uh yeah if you're into like yeah if you're into yeah i i don't i couldn't even say that because i think his personality is so disgusting right but it's like it's so disgusting it's just i would be if that was my daughter i would be like are you i know pearls before swine raquel it's pearls before swine i know right Ugh. i know meaning she's the pearl i just had to talk to you about that because right absolute swine but yeah i just had to talk to you about that because i i was sitting there like shook that he shook that he said that and then also shook that he was saying it on camera one of the one of the things like i yeah i just i really appreciate like i feel like in my relationship it doesn't matter if i'm five pounds up five pounds down uh like whatever i don't feel like i ever get any sort of commentary or or anything else i feel like the attitude should be totally neutral you know right neutral positive neutral yes always. neutral positive always and not nit, not right. not nitpicky and the idea that james Ugh. feels like he's entitled to it was like right like he should be saying the lecturing of her you are stunning you're stunning now i'm sure whatever happens you will look beautiful like or you know you're it's gonna be right. great and i don't think you need to stress about this it's gonna be just fine yeah yeah or saying, I, I don't even notice what you're talking about. Like, you know, I think you're like, yeah, exactly. All the things you're saying. And I'm like, you know what? Can the woke mobs go after James? Because he deserves to be vilified. Oh, I know. That's I know. Cancel James Kennedy. Cancel Travis Scott. Cancel James Kennedy. Ugh. Please, please. I mean. Anyways. Please. <laughs> yeah. it's a, James is James is probably one of the worst reality TV show people that we've seen he's just so incredibly hands like down he's, st- he's sober and still such a problem yeah Sh- yeah yeah i know still saying awful also let's just take stock of all the terrible you know m- fat phobic things he said this this season about max the uh, like this is a truly despicable human being everybody the idea that my partner got angry and started speaking negatively to someone about their appearance I couldn't even mm-hmm. fathom it. Like, if, right, right. Like, I'm sorry, but if anyone I, if anyone I was friends with did that, I would just be so incredibly horrified. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a special kind of okay. disgustingness. Well, anyway, it's just, right. It's been a little bit of a bleak episode. Sorry, y'all. But this is just you know real talk. Yeah, Chan. What are we talking about on the Patreon this week? Um, Lauren, what are we talking about on the Patreon this <laughs> We're week? We're not I sure we you guys. About. We will have a Patreon episode. We're not sure. Jen, we'll talk about Jen Shaw's call, maybe. Yes, uh, because that's interesting. The last scene is really, really good, obviously. So we need to talk about it once you've watched it. Um, but we will be getting into more on the Patreon. A new episode dropping this Friday. The link to sign up is in the show oh. notes. Oh, I have one thing that's going to take 30 seconds that I wanted to Please. say but I don't know if you want me to say it. I found some tips for staying safe in big crowds if you want me to talk about them, but I, you might have to, I don't know if it's going to be annoying for you to like put it in here. Um, but are there any, are they funny or interesting? No, they're just like helped. <laughs> okay. Read. Let's read. Let's go for it. Let's give people some tips. Okay. I'll just say that I'll just give a top line it. Um, if you're ever in a crowd that is, you know, uncontrollable, what they say to do is to actually move with the crowd. Don't try to fight it and to move with it. Don't try to like, you know, like resist it. And then also they say to like adopt a boxer stance to um, like, and to keep your arms up to kind of uh, like up above your face to, to give yourself a little bit of room. Anyways, I thought that was helpful. Um, and then if you do fall down, go into the fetal position. Are you serious? Go into the, sorry. That's what it says. Yes, to protect your head. Okay. Anyways, oh my gosh. Look, I gotta so go now. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, I think if you're in that position, don't leave it rude. in. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, I do. Someone's like, wait, I listened to this one episode of Pop Apologists. I gotta get in the boxer. I was stance. just trying to be helpful. No, last time I'm ever helpful. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Love you. 
That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus' wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books found in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Catherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts.